0: Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. That is awesome. Well, hey, we are tying a bow on our series uh, Beatitudes, and it's been our summer series. Been in it for For nine weeks. And so if you're new, uh, you can check out what you've missed on online, except for last week, because we had uh, Aichi here, one of our missionaries, uh, teaching on blessed are the persecuted. Uh, He he ministers in the Horn of Africa, specifically in Ethiopia, but because of uh, some of the nature of his work, because of the hostility in that region, we can't can't allow that to continue to be online. Uh, So man, if you missed it. Well, you missed it, uh, but, uh, but everything else is, is on there, and you can check that out. Uh, but, but Jesus teaches us, he starts off this first sermon, his first public comprehensive sermon in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, by far the greatest sermon ever preached, teached on hot topics in culture then and certainly hot topics in culture today. He, he starts off this sermon by letting you, le- letting me know how we can experience the blessed life he starts off each of these beatitudes with this word blessed. It's the Greek word makarios. And it literally means to be happy, to be blissful, but not happy. And like someone told you a funny joke, now you're smiling, not not blissful. Like, like there's no problems in your world, but like this soul contentment, this peace that, that just words cannot fathom, this inner joy that that, that can never be shaken. And, And don't we all want that? And so how appropriate is it that Jesus in his very first sermon would start by giving you and me a pathway to experience all those things that we really, really want at the core of who we are. And so fair warning, uh, today you're going to have some moments where you think, I'm not sure I want to go there. Matter of fact, I put that in a box and it's tucked away nicely in the corner of my closet and I just, I'm just not sure I can go there today. And I would just suggest if the Holy Spirit brings that to your attention, then maybe it's because he wants to bring healing to that relationship, maybe to that area of your life that you want to keep tucked away. And isn't it nice to know that, that the healer is still in the house and, and he hasn't closed up shop, but sometimes we've just stopped bringing him our junk so that we can experience healing. So if he brings it to your attention, I would just say, man, lean into that because he's got good for you on the other side of that. So with that warm introduction. Uh, Why don't we stand to our feet in honor of God's word? Uh, I like when we stand up just to let our body know, hey, something's about to happen. And I just believe when we read God's word, when we unpack God's word collectively, he speaks to us. He speaks to us as a whole, but he also, he's going to speak to you individually. Some things that might not even be in my sermon, he's going to say to you because we're just opening ourselves up to what God has. And here's the word of the Lord to us today. It's found in Matthew uh, we're going to read the whole, all the Beatitudes. We're going to read chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. But the passage we're going to be studying is verses 11 and 12. And there's going to be some red letter words uh, on the screen. If you could read those really loud, really proud, out loud with me, that would be, that would be muy bueno. All right, here we go. Uh, number Verse 1. Uh, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, here's his first words of this amazing sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Pastor Aichi did such a great job unpacking that last week and giving us some perspective on what's happening on on a global scale when it comes to persecution. I think everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will experience persecution. I think persecution here in Silicon Valley looks different than it does in Africa, but nevertheless, I think it is very real. And Aichi unpacks some of those different forms of persecutions. But let's be honest whenever we stand for righteousness, when we stand for what God's word says, and God's word is very clear. Whenever it comes to topics of sexuality and purity and truth and biblical justice and things that we're called to take a stand for. And when we do, you can get, you can bet there will be, there will be persecution, but we, we will be people that live out that first beatitude. We, we unpack, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. So as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, our drive to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, it, it, it continues even in the face of persecution now, here's our, our verse for today. Help me out with the words in red. Blessed are you when people insult, insult you and, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus says rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it's alive, it's living, it's active. And God, you desire to speak to your people today. So God, we just open our hearts. We open our minds to receive from you. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you have a seat, why don't you give someone you know a high five and someone you don't know a high five and say, you got this, you got this. You got this. As we read that list of Beatitudes, whenever we become those people, whenever we begin to live out those, those kingdom principles, those really countercultural values that Jesus lists there, we not only experience the blessed life, but, but look at what Jesus says in the very next verse. So we, the Beatitudes, here's the very next verse. Here's what he says. Then we'll be, you'll be salt of the earth. You'll be the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and check it out. And they'll glorify your father in heaven. The hope of the Beatitudes, the hope of the church, the hope is that you and I live out these Beatitudes. And as a result of us, a watching world will turn their attention off of us and onto God and glorify the God of heaven. Because they'll say, man, there's something different about them. There's something unique about them. And I don't know if you've noticed it in our culture today, but tensions are pretty high. Like people are quick to cut you off. They're quick to cancel you. I mean, you make one post on social media and you'll offend 10 different people 10 different ways. It's amazing, really. You, you drive on the highway and, and you're going like five miles over the speed limit, but they'll cut in front of you and they'll, they'll, they'll tell you you're number one in the process and, and you'll be tempted to start to peel that banana too, but holster that thing, you Christian. We don't do that. Jesus offers us a different way to respond. And he invites us into this life. And here's what Jesus says. Here, here's our generations. Here's how he described it. Matthew 24, 10, he says, And then many will be offended and will betray one another. They're going to hate one another. Luke 17, 1, talking about our generation. It's impossible that, that no offense should come. I and mean, People are just offended at every turn. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Like, what's the big deal about being offended? After all, they did. Proverbs 18, 19 says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. Ours is a generation that's very offended. And everyone's offended about something, they're offended at someone. And as a result, our societies become very unyielding. And there's no resolution. And so we would put these barred gates over our hearts, and then we wonder why we can't hear from heaven anymore. And so what do we do about it? How, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to insults and accusations and, and persecutions in that form? Well, I want to give you four principles. And if you're taking notes, this is where they begin. You might want to write these down. If you're not taking notes, you might want to write these down. Um, there are four increasingly challenging things that I think in, God invites us to respond in the face of, of persecution, in the face of accusations and and, insults. and I would just say each four of these become increasingly challenging. And I don't know if this is a great way to start a sermon, but I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to want to do any of these. I don't want to do any of these. But the invitation is that, that as you apply these, the blessed life is on the other side of application here. And so what do we do whenever, that's the title of our message, our response to insults and accusations. Here's number one, if you're taking notes, choose to overlook the offense. Choose to overlook the offense. Now, when it comes to relationships, it's important that we talk through offenses. It is important that we communicate. You can't just leave wounds unaddressed. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, look, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, so you you can't take care of their side of the street, you just got to take care of your side of the street, live at peace with everyone. But, But what happens whenever it is impossible what, 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 what do you do whenever you've tried to take care of it? You try to bring resolution, but there is no peace. There, there is no resolve in that relationship. Proverbs 10, 12 says, love overlooks the wrongs others do. Proverbs 12, 16, the fool shows annoyance at once, but a prudent man, a wise man, here's what he does. He, he overlooks an insult. Proverbs 19, 11, a man a man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. I was listening to a, a podcast recently, and uh, the CEO was talking about their company's policy and how they choose to respond to insults and accusations, specifically when it comes through social media platforms. And his response, I thought, was just It was just fascinating to me. He says, man, we've adopted this this policy based on this movie, War Games. And I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, War Games. It's this kind of old movie. But but the premise of the movie is that there's this really smart high school kid. And he's this gamer, right? And so he goes into his room and he plays video games all the time. And he's playing this video game uh, where in this video game, he launches missiles at, at different people. And it's like, kind of like, I don't know, probably Clash of the Clans or something like that in an old school version. But what he doesn't realize as he's playing this video game, he hacks into NORAD. And so he actually hacks into the Northern, uh, North American Aerospace Defense Command. And and he's really about to launch nuclear warheads at real countries in real time. And so the FBI show up and they're like, hey, hey, this isn't a game. Like you've, you've hacked into NORAD you're going to bomb real people. And he's like, oh my gosh. And he tries to stop, but the computer takes over. And so the computer's really about to launch active warheads on different countries from this kid's bedroom. And so AI's taken over and they don't know what to do. And, and so they come up with this idea. They say, well, hey, let's, let's give the computer different scenarios to see how this plays out. And so they, they say, hey, we're, okay, we're, we're going to bomb China. China's going to bomb us. Bomb, bomb, bomb the whole total destruction. All right, we're going to bomb Russia. Russia's going to bomb us. Total destruction. And they run 20, 30, 40, 50 different scenarios into this computer. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Same result every time. Total destruction. Total destruction. Total destruction. Total destruction. Then all of a sudden, the computer goes blank. And it brings up this message. Professor Falcon, strange game. The only winning move is not to play. The only winning move, not to play. Why? Because in the end, when someone insults you, you insult them, bomb, 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 bomb. Where's the relationship? Total destruction. The only winning move, choose not to play. And Jesus calls us, to a higher level, we're not gonna respond like everyone else in society does. It's not bomb, 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 no, 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 no. We're gonna to choose to overlook some offenses. We, we try to resolve it, but when there is no resolution, we say, okay, and we choose empathy. Empathy is a choice to, rather than imagine and mull over what they've done, we imagine the pain that they must be experiencing. I mean, for someone to cut you off on the highway and tell you you're number one in the process, I mean, what is going through their mind? And you just begin to empathize and think, man, they must, really, <laughs> they must be really having a hard day. And rather than wanting to bomb them back, it leads us to this place to say, God, would you just help them? They got some junk going on. Here, here's, this is in your notes. Love looks past the behavior and imagines the pain in their life. Love looks past the behavior and just imagines the pain that they must be experiencing in their life. And so we're going to choose to overlook some offenses. Second thing, uh, keep my heart free from unforgiveness. If we're going we're to live this blessed life and we face persecutions, insults, accusations, it's going to be vital to keep your heart free from unforgiveness. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we've touched on this throughout these uh, summer teachings through these Beatitudes, but... Uh, this fall, I'll be teaching uh, on some different uh, prayer models uh, that the Bible offers. And one of them is the, the Lord's Prayer. And I've been, for the past few months, just every morning, first thing when I wake up, I try to pray through this Lord's Prayer. Not, not like just recite it, but think of Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And start with like, God, you're awesome. And just let my mind settle there for a little bit. And just talk to God about how worthy he is. But, but here's one thing in the Lord's Prayer that God invites you to pray every single day. Luke 11, 4. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And I just start my day thinking, God, have I offended everyone? If I offended anyone, I might have offended everyone. Uh, if I offended anyone, though? Is anyone offended me? God, how can I, how can I give them back to you? Because, God, I want your forgiveness in my life. And apparently it's kind of contingent on how I forgive other people. And in life, we can make decisions based on principles and we can make decisions based on pressure. In principle, a principle is simply a predetermined decision. We're called to live by principles. So when the pressure comes, we've already made up our minds. When someone insults you, we've, we live by this principle. We're going to be people who forgive, and so we forgive people quickly. I saw this illustration recently, and a professor asked the students, how, how, much this, how much does this bottle of water weigh? How much does this bottle weigh? Any any thoughts? Anybody? Two cups? Okay. What would you say? Weight? Yeah, how much? Two pounds? Okay. Two pounds? All right, we're going with two pounds. Everyone thinks two pounds. Here's the point of the illustration. The the, the challenge or the reality is how much it weighs doesn't really matter because I can hold it, I can take a drink. So refreshing, and I can sit it down. But the challenge is, If I continue to hold this bottle for an hour, now I'm going to start to feel a little bit of discomfort in my arm. Now, if I choose to hang on to this for eight hours, my my arm's going to feel very numb. As a matter of fact, a lot of good can be happening around me, but my primary focus is going to be on this bottle. Now, if I hang on to this all day, my arm's going to be paralyzed. And I can see beautiful people around me. I can experience a lot of good things around me in life. But my whole thought process is going to be consumed with this stupid bottle. That I keep holding. And the invitation, the principle is, well, it doesn't matter how much it weighs as long as 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 you set it down. And I think unforgiveness, offenses are like that. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's not really big. But we just keep holding on to it for days at a time. And we make it really big. We make it really heavy. And the invitation of Jesus today is just, hey, just set it down. And if you're like me, especially when someone really offends you, I can do that. And that's good. But then maybe five, maybe five seconds, maybe five minutes, I want to pick it back up again. And when I do, the invitation is once again, you just got to lay it down. Forgive, not once, not twice, over and over again. And if you don't, you don't have to, by the way, This this is an option. You can hang on to bitterness. You can hang on to unforgiveness. You just need to know you're choosing to be consumed by it. You're choosing just to say, I'm just going to hang on to this for as long as I can. Because after what they did to me, you don't even know. And I don't know. And what they did was probably very wrong. But I'm just saying you're hurting yourself in the process. And Jesus today is coming to you and inviting you just to just let it let, let it go. Lay it down. Keep your heart free from unforgiveness. Let's make up our minds ahead of time that when a person offends you, and here's the deal, they will. It's not a matter of if it's when. They will offend you. How are you going to respond? Be a person of principle and say, I'm, I've made up my mind ahead of time. I'm going to be a person who offers forgiveness. We're not doormats. We have boundaries. We have standards. But we forgive people quickly. Colossians 3.13 says this. You must Make allowance. I don't know if you ever got allowance when you were growing up, but an allowance was like this, money set aside for you to spend later. And the invitation of Scripture is for you to make allowance, to to save some up for later for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you can choose to if you want to. No, he says you must forgive others. I love this quote, Lewis Smead's. to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. The prisoner was me. And I told you, hey, this is deep into the pool teaching. Uh, deep teaching isn't necessarily confusing. D- deep teaching is just stuff that maybe we, it's very clear in scripture, we just haven't taken a hold of yet. Maybe we haven't become those type of people yet, but, but God's inviting us to this. So we're gonna choose to overlook the offense, we're gonna keep our heart free from unforgiveness. We're gonna, here's the third one, and again, you're not gonna want to do this, but here's what God asks us to do: pray, bless, and do good to them. We're gonna pray for them, we're gonna bless them, we're gonna choose to do good to them. And all of these, all three of those, are found in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus lays out for us how we're respond to persecution, insults, and our enemies. And I would just say, hey, man, if you live to to see next Sunday, this week you're going to have opportunity to apply this one. And you're not going to want to in the moment, but I'm just telling you this is how you live in freedom. And God, I think, does it more for you than he does for our enemies. So first one, we're going to do it. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for those who insult us, persecute us, falsely say stuff about us. And we don't pray that the flies of a thousand camels attack their armpits. We don't pray that hemorrhoids in Jesus' name. Like we're not, that's not what he's talking about here. Here's what I would say. Here's my challenge. Here's what I've been trying to do. And I don't do this perfectly, but, but my, I, I've, this, is, this has been a challenge for me. But I pray, God, here's what I want. God, would you, would you help my family? Would you protect my family? God, would you give my kids thriving relationships? God, would you show us favor with the work of our hands, what you've asked us to do? God, would you, would you help us? But instead of praying it for me, I pray it for them. You pray for them everything you want in life. You think, what do you want in life? You pray it for them. Deep into the pool, but here's what I promise is going to happen. You're going to find yourself not holding on to bitterness anymore. You're going to find yourself not holding a grudge anymore. You're going to find yourself free from enemies. Pray for them. Pray God gives them everything you want. Then bless them. Use your words to speak well of them. Do good to them. In other words, if they have a need, you see it, man, just try to meet the need. Matthew 5, 38. Same chapter of the Beatitudes. Here's what Jesus says. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, they bomb you, you bomb them back. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to them the other also. If anyone wants to sue you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go with them. Two miles. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying the way you respond to persecutions matters. The way you respond to insults, the way you respond to offenses, it matters. They're going to notice there's something different about you because you don't respond the way everyone else does in Silicon Valley. You, you adhere to a, a, a kingdom principle because you're a, a citizen of heaven. Same chapter, a few verses later, verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemy. (laughs) What? (laughs) Love your enemy. Here it is. Pray for those who persecute you. So they're offending you. They're insulting you. You're going to pray, God, would you get those, those people that hurt me, would you give them everything I want in life? Luke. 627. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. So now I'm looking to, to do good. They, they've hurt me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond by doing something good in their life. I don't know if you've heard of C.S. Lewis, a great philosopher. You've probably heard of some of his work. He wrote a book called Chronicles of Narnia. They made movies about it. He also wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And in that book, Mere Christianity, he says this. He says, when you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking them more and more. And So when someone offends you and you respond with an offense, you're not going to love your enemy more. You're going to hate your enemy more. But whenever you pray for them, when you bless them, when you do good to them, your enemy starts to no longer move to your enemy, but starts to become more of a friend, someone that you can... Tolerate, and this is what Jesus asked us to do. But I tell you, hear me, love your enemies, do good to them. We're going to see all three in this one verse. Bless those who curse you. So they use their words to tear you down. Jesus, high calling. He said, you use your words to build them up. They're going to speak, they're going to tear you up behind your back, behind their back, speak good about them. Deep into the pool. Pray for those who mistreat you. And again, we're not praying, God, would you knock out their teeth? Although sometimes we do pray that, and I think that's okay. But when we're healthy, we pray, God, would you give them everything that I want in my life? As a child of God, you have a high calling. John said it this way. He said, said, how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called sons and daughters of God, and that is what you are. What an honor. High calling. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. But also part of that high calling is this. 1 Peter 3.9. Do not do wrong to repay a wrong. Do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a... With a blessing, because you yourselves, there's the word, you are called to do this. This is part of your calling, so that you might receive the blessed life you've always wanted. We're called to this. Abraham Lincoln, in a war-torn country, country divided, just put into motion that Slavery must be abolished. And the northern states were saying, hey, you know what, president? You're being way too lenient with those southern states. Abraham, he said, you got to destroy them, President Lincoln. President Lincoln responded, I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends. That brings unity. Not easy. But as citizens of heaven, this is what we're called to do. How do you destroy your enemy? Not like culture does not bomb, 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 total destruction. Citizens of heaven, we destroy our enemies by praying for them, blessing them, doing good to them. So we're gonna choose to overlook the offense. We're gonna keep our hearts free from unforgiveness. We're gonna pray, bless, do good to them. And this last one's worth a sermon series in and of itself. This is the single greatest, I would argue, the single greatest key to living a life of joy a life of contentment here on earth in the midst of life's highest highs. This will keep you grounded in the midst of life's lowest lows. This will lift you up in the face of extreme persecution. You can walk with joy when we apply this spinal principle to our life. And here's the principle. Remember the eternal reward. Remember the eternal reward. There's a situation I've been thinking about processing, Spent some time this week, a couple days, fasting, praying, God, I need breakthrough in this area of my life. God, would you help us? Would you reveal to us such and such? And you know what? The breakthrough, it came, but not in the way I was expecting. I was reminded of this principle, that this situation is very temporary, but there's eternity at play. And it's not that the situation doesn't matter. It does. We still need resolution. But in light of eternity... I can sleep at night. Light of eternity, it's not eating my lunch anymore. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew five eleven through 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in, in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The blessed people, the happy people, they're not putting all their energy, all their efforts into a right here, right now. They're okay with this word called delayed gratification. And they just long to hear these words, well done. More than anything this world could offer them, more than anything anyone in this world could say to them, their eyes are fixed there. And this is the key, I would argue, to a life of joy. When life gets hard, remember the realities of heaven. When life is great, Remember, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And Jesus was always redirecting his disciples to this reality. John 14:1 says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, why would Jesus say that? Well, because their hearts were troubled. They were freaking out. Jesus is like, hey, I'm not gonna be here much longer. Matter of fact, I'm gonna get executed. And the disciples like, wait, no, not you. Their hearts are troubled. Jesus' response though, look where he he redirects their attention heavenward. Trust in God, trust also in me. There there is more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you may always be where I am. Mid-persecution, amid sufferings, remember the realities of heaven. The Apostle Paul kept this always in front of his mind. The Apostle Paul experienced persecution. I mean, he was imprisoned. I mean, some of you have been imprisoned, but not for sharing Jesus, right? But for doing good. They, they, they arrested him. They, he was flogged, beaten several times, up to the brink of, of death a few times, five times. He was whipped by the Jews. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once they, they picked up rocks and tried to kill him by hurling rocks at his head. Three times he was shipwrecked while being transported as a criminal for sharing the good news with people. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we're hard pressed on every side. And I just want you to know, you've experienced this firsthand, I'm sure. The life of Jesus, the life of following Jesus is this glorious adventure full of joy and wonder. But it's not always easy. Sometimes he calls us to do some really hard things. And Paul says we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, like we don't have all the answers, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but God's still with us. We're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we'll get back up because we're not destroyed. He goes on to say a few verses later, verse 17, for our light and momentary trouble are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And can I just pause and just ask you, does your earth outweigh your heaven? If you were to put your focus on a scale, would your focus be heavier towards earth or heavier towards heaven? And my invitation to you this week is just to meditate on the realities of heaven. Just to remember, Christian, this world's not your home. There's a book called Pilgrim's Progress. It's a spiritual classic, over 250 million copies sold, more than Lord of the Rings, more than Harry Potter. It's a great book written by John Bunyan. It's an allegory of the Christian journey, the Christian experience. If you haven't read it, it's worth worth a read for sure. It it describes your journey as a follower of Jesus trying to get to this destination, heaven. And in the book, one of his friends asks Christian, Christian, when do you find yourself in your strongest, most vigorous condition? To which Christian replies, when I think about the place to where I'm going. Listen, Christian, the more you think about heaven, the stronger you feel. The more, the more you think about the realities of heaven, earth becomes a little bit lighter. The more you're consumed with temporary things of earth, the more anxious you'll feel, the more stressed you'll feel, the more you feel like, man, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving to myself, I'm giving, I'm, str- I'm trying, and it's never enough. But when you turn your eyes to the realities of heaven, there's peace, even in the midst of the struggle. So Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do in light of that? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, is eternal. Jim Elliott, famous missionary, attempted to bring the message of Jesus to an indigenous tribe in the jungles of Ecuador. In which, let's just pause for a moment and just acknowledge the elephant in the room. We're in an air conditioned building, padded seats, Silicon Valley, talking about persecution. There's people right now, today, 14 people will lay down their life as martyrs for the cause of Christ. Missionaries like Aichi here last week can't, can't be on the Internet for fear that their family will be discovered and he'll be executed. All the while, we run Google ads and post on social media saying, come on in. You know, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's a little bit different, right? We experience persecutions, but just not just not like that. And so I think it's worth us pausing. And just let's just give some honor to the martyrs, to the missionaries. We acknowledge them. That's awesome. Right. So Jim Elliott, yeah, missionary, Ecuador, trying to reach this indigenous tribe. Never seen a white person before. They never had any contact with the outside world. So Jim Elliott and four missionary buddies, they plane in, they, they drop some goods, trying to create this relationship of peace with these people. And so it did start off really good. And they had a peaceful relationship with them. And then all of a sudden it turned very violent. And Jim Elliott and four missionary companions were executed, were put to death by the very people that they came to bring to life. His wife, Elizabeth Elliott, would later write a book called Through the Gates of Splendor. In 2005, they came out with a movie that documented part of the story called Into the Spear one of the famous quotes from that book, Through the Gates of Splendor, that Jim Elliott would often remind his wife, Elizabeth, in the midst of ministry and missions, highs and lows, he said this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He kept this eternal perspective. It led him to lay down security of America financial resources and eventually even life itself because he knew there's an eternal reward awaiting could be money we often think that but could be your time could be your family could be your life itself but christian remember your eternal reward jesus said this matthew 19 29 and everyone who has given up house. I mean, like you live in the Silicon Valley. If you're living here on mission and you say, I know I won't ever be able to afford a home here, but I'm gonna gonna keep serving Jesus to reach the Silicon Valley. Jesus sees that. Giving up your house, give up brothers, sisters, family, mother, father, children, like you're separated from family, but you're living on mission. Jesus sees that. Give up property for eternal purposes. Jesus sees that. You do that for my sake. Here's what Jesus says. You'll receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.